Welcome to Bath and Body Parts. I'm Melanie. And I'm Cassie. We're here to help you relax and unwind. It's time for candles, bubbles, wine, and of course, a tale of true crime. So go on, soakers. Settle into the tub. Let your muscles relax and your heart race as we dive into Bath and Body Parts. teenager in modern times has got to be one of the hardest things ever. Pressure from social media and everything being so public. There are so many factors that today's youth have to contend with that we didn't even imagine when we were teens. And we're not that old. Like (laughs) We weren't teens that long ago. I mean, we feel really old, but it really wasn't that long ago. Right. Age-wise, we're not, but we really are. (laughs) And today's case takes a look at the dark side of navigating high school friendships and kind of how teens cope when things are getting kind of out of control. And this is a really like negative example of how a group of teenagers was coping with things in their life. Skylar Annette Neese was the only child of Mary and David Neese. When Mary found out that she was pregnant, she was really nervous to be a mom. Like, she wasn't married to Dave at the time, and he wanted to marry her, but she wasn't really sure about the whole, like, wife and mom, you know, mom situation. Mm -hmm. But when Skylar was born, Mary and Dave moved in together. And Skylar was the love of her parents' lives. She was described as being a mini version of her mom, Mary, and she was BFFs with her dad. Like, she had a great relationship with her dad. Dave worked at Walmart and Mary had an office job and they did not make a lot of money. And having less money than her friends did not seem to bother Skylar at all. She was described as very empathetic and she would get into debates even with her dad because he would sometimes make off the cuff remarks about gay people. And she would say, you know, dad, like they're just people too. And Skylar's best friend in elementary school was a girl named Morgan Lawrence. Morgan was also the only child to her parents, and her dad was actually a doctor, and Skylar would often go over and play at her house, and, you know, they had a lot more things and Mm -hmm. toys and, you know, money, but they treated her just the same. And Skylar also made another important friend in first grade, Daniel Hovatter. And Daniel said even at a young age, Skylar showed signs of being a very private person. Which I can totally... See, based on my experience with kids and also respect, I think a lot of times even very young children can kind of have that introverted private personality. Yes. And I think that sometimes adults don't understand that and they want kids to be really outspoken and loud and energetic and, you know, just like as we are as adults, we're not like that as kids if we're introverted all the time, you know. And I want to say that we got all of our insight about Skylar's life from the book Pretty Little Killers, The Truth Behind the Savage Murder of Skylar Niece by Dalen Barry and Jeffrey C. Fuller. And I will say that the book jumps around in the timeline a lot, and it was kind of frustrating um, because it's not very chronological. So I was writing notes, and I was kind of having to go back and forth. But it had so much material that it was very much worth the read. Uh, And there's also a really good episode of Dateline about this case. 
So in second grade, Sheila Eddy entered Skylar's life. And they would spend the summer swimming at the community center. Their moms, Mary and Tara, were close in age and had actually known each other as teens. It's important to note that this case takes place in Star City, West Virginia, which as of 2019 only has a population of just over 2,000 people. It's the kind of town where everyone knows everyone. This is very much the kind of place that I grew up in that had 2,500 people. And I graduated in a class of 65. Everybody literally (laughs) knows everyone. My high school graduating class was 599. So it's like it's that was so more than my different. entire high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even as a child, Sheila craved attention. She also had eccentric behavior. Like once when she was young, her family was at a restaurant. She got up and stood for the whole meal shouting, I like to stand while I eat. And she really seemed to enjoy the strangers looking at her. Yeah. And that is interesting to me because, again, we, we both have a long history of working with kids. There yeah. is a wide range of normalcy. Yes. But that's a little much. Not, it's not necessarily like, anything. It's not unheard of. Yes, but exactly. It's, it's not something that you see in public with that much confidence. Right. Exactly. Sheila was also an only child, which, again, kind of plays into that center of attention, not always, but sometimes. Sure, it can. As early adolescence came on, Sheila and Skylar got cell phones and they would always call and text each other. They were growing closer. Sheila's mom, Tara, started seeing a new man, Jim, and Sheila did not like him. Even though he was very generous, he would give Sheila nice things, nice clothes, things that she couldn't have afforded before. She really didn't want anything to do with them. Once a neighbor heard Sheila and Tara fighting loudly and Sheila threatened to kill Tara which definitely does not seem like an average teen girl mom fight. I mean, like any teen girl has had some tiffs with their mom, okay? But oh yeah. Never ever ever would I've threatened to kill my mother. No, and that's just that's not good at all. That's no. just not good. And the, their neighbors really remarked that Sheila was odd and mean, which I think is a very interesting way to describe a teenager. Yeah. Like, I think that there was something there that was giving off a really odd vibe. It was, like, noticeable to people who weren't even her age. Yes. You know? And it who didn't have like, a ton of interaction with her. Like, yes. yes, it is a small town, but you're not spending every day at your neighbor's house, you know? Right. Tara and Jim decided to get married. This would allow them to move to the city. And it also put her 10 minutes away from Skylar's house. In 2010, Sheila transferred to Skylar's school, University High School, and got an identical schedule to hers, which I think is pretty normal in a small town. Like, there are only so many schedules you can have. So right. <laughs> I, I had identical I read that schedules to like, lots of my friends. I was like, did this poor high school secretary have to, like, pull up Skylar's schedule and be like, <laughs> okay, let's see if there's... Because in my high school, it was like, well, that class is full. That class is... You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you didn't have the same... Uh, you couldn't make an identical schedule. To right. In, in a small town like that, like you really only have one freshman English teacher and one sophomore right. English teacher. So there's really only one or two options anyway. So I, right. I think that that's pretty, pretty that makes sense. normal. Skylar's old friends, Morgan and Daniel, noticed that Skylar began to change when Sheila came to the school and they attributed this to Sheila being controlling. And I think that that is going to speak a lot like the the changes that people see 
with Skylar around Sheila plays a very important role in this case. And someone else who's really important in this case is someone who grew up not very far from the niece's home. And her name is Rachel Schof. Her dad was a successful clothing seller and his first wife had died of cancer and he married Patricia and they had Rachel. And I think it's, it's kind of important to get a feel for what these girls all look like. Rachel is like a really pretty redhead. Yes. Sheila is like a pretty blonde, tall, like very stereotypically beautiful. And Skylar is super pretty, but a little bit more cutesy and kind of young looking. And I think she definitely looks younger than these girls. Yes. And I think that whenever you are kind of around these sort of quote unquote, glamorous, beautiful girls, (laughs) you can kind of become enamored by them when you're, Somebody who wouldn't consider yourself to be super beautiful. Sure. I think that that is a great point. And you can kind of see that in, you know, depicted on TV. But if you know any teen girls, like, you know what we're talking about. Right. You know, we were teen girls, but I like to think that we're all beautiful. When Rusty's clothing store went out of business, his son from his first marriage moved out and he and Patricia got a divorce. And Rachel at the time was only four years old, but she hung out with a more affluent group. She was described as being very loving and she would often volunteer at the Special Olympics. And Rachel met Sheila and Skylar in a class that they had all together. And they started hanging out, the three of them, all the time. They were a well-known trio all throughout their freshman year. Like, you would not see them away from each other. And I feel like, you know, you go to high school, you make these friends, and you become really tight, and then, you know, you got your girls. Like, that's a really important part of being a high school student. a normal thing to do. Yeah. Skylar was so happy that Sheila was at the same school. And Sheila, you know, she had some connections, and she could kind of, you know, get some weed. And she also had a car. And that was huge. Oh, you yeah. Know oh, yeah. You got I a car remember in high the school. first yeah. friend that had <laughs> yes. the car. Oh, yeah. It's huge. You know, that person becomes very popular very fast. And it's interesting to note that at Sheila's old school, she was very popular. But at UHS, she was, you know, she was new. She mm-hmm. was kind of like an unknown. And other students went on to describe the three girls like this. That Sheila was kind of abrasive and she was the least liked, but she was very dramatic and very, uh, she had a big presence. Rachel, uh, the pretty redhead, was a staunch Catholic and aspiring actress and songbird. They considered her to be the most talented of the three girls. And Skylar was the most smiley one and the smartest one of the three. She had aspirations of being a lawyer when she grew up, and she really took school quite seriously. Now, Sheila was liked by several boys who considered themselves modern-day hippies, meaning they smoked a lot of weed. (laughs) And, of course, some of them would do harder drugs like Coke and Oxy, and Sheila did also take part in that. Sheila would also sleep with at least one of these boys. And around this time of doing drugs and sleeping with boys, both Rachel and Sheila's separate groups of friends started telling each of them, Sheila is a bad influence. Sheila is controlling you. And I think that that's a really bold statement, something that you should really listen to. Because if someone's saying 
It's one thing to say that someone is a bad influence, but to say that they're controlling you is very serious. And I think people can see that. And so if if somebody's telling you that someone's controlling you, you really need to take a hard look at that. And that's not something that like a high school student normally says to their friends. No, not at all. And all this did was actually push the girls closer together, which I think is very normal. You know, you can't tell a teenager what to do. Again, throughout this story, rebelling against people's advice is another huge theme that we see here. Yep. One night, the three girls went joyriding, a.k.a. driving aimlessly smoking weed. I'm sure we've all done some variation of that in our teen years (laughs) with older boys. They were pulled over by a cop and they were out past curfew. So they got in trouble. The cops called Rachel's dad and Sheila's dad to come get the two girls while a cop drove Skylar home himself. And I think that like they knew that Skylar's dad had a weird work schedule. So they since they all know each other, they, he the cop was just like, oh, I'll drive you home. Like, yeah. Uh, again, you know, I grew up in this very kind of small town and oh my gosh, my mom is going to hate that I tell this story. But <laughs> one time when I was a little kid, maybe like five years old, I somehow got left at the soccer field and it was a miscommunication. Like she thought that I was going to be with this other person sure, and whatever, like wires got crossed and I was barefoot and started walking home by myself oh, crying. Oh no. <laughs> so sad. And like a police officer came and he knew who I was and he took me home. So that is that's, a, a thing that happens. That's a benefit of a small town there. Yeah. In late summer 2011, it seemed like there were some rifts developing in the friendship. Skylar started getting angrier, which surprised everyone else around her. And remember, she's a private person, so she's not necessarily confiding in anybody with what's going on. Right. And she's also like usually pretty happy-go-lucky. So for her to start reacting angrily towards things was very out of character. Definitely. And this is also around the time that Skylar and Sheila started getting into fights on Twitter. And again, like I, we did not have the whole Twitter no. world. I mean, there were barely blogs when I yes. was in high school. Like you like could, live you, journal, Facebook and MySpace <laughs> were things, but it wasn't like public fights right. no, the no, way no. that it is now. On August 16th, 2011, Rachel invited both Skylar and Sheila to a sleepover at her house. They had somehow gotten a bottle of vodka and... These are high school sophomores, so a full bottle of vodka is a lot. I mean, a full bottle of vodka is a lot for me, like, over two months. Yes, we (laughs) have had a bottle of vodka for, like, the entire quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Just slowly making little dents in it. As the girls got more and more drunk, they started snapping photos of each other and kissing, which I don't think is abnormal in and of itself, But then at one point, Rachel and Sheila began having oral sex and scissoring and Skylar was in the room just Just watching because she didn't know what else to do. And I don't know what I would do if I was at if I was with two other people and they just started having sex and and I'm at someone else's house. This is not my space. Like, you don't know what to do. It's awkward. So uncomfortable. And afterwards, Sheila ordered Skylar to move on the bed so that she could cuddle Rachel. And Skylar got mad at that point and a shouting match ensued. Rachel's mom came in and made Rachel leave with her and sleep in her mom's room. And Sheila and Skylar continued to fight. So probably the most awkward sleepover situation of all time. It just seems like it would be mortifying for everyone because then you have, 
you know, Rachel's mom coming in and telling them like, you got to stop shouting. Like I'm going to pull, this is my daughter who invited you to my house and she's going to come sleep in my room because the (laughs) shouting is so intense. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And Mary, who's Skylar's mom, said that Skylar had written about Sheila and Rachel having sex in her diary, although that was not found until after Skylar's murder. Right. It wasn't like she was reading her diary. But this claim of them having sex has been disputed by other people. Mm -hmm. And so Mary said, like, no, it's it's in Skylar's journal. Like she wrote it when she was alive. Skylar's tweets, you know, become more and more angry tweets on August 21st. She says, it's almost ridiculous how I find out everything. And on August 23rd, she says, karma's a bitch. I need to stop wishing death on people. And on September 6th, she tweeted, I would tell the whole school all the shit I have on them. And she wasn't tagging people in these tweets and she wasn't subtweeting people. But, you know, people that were friends of hers kind of thought like, maybe this might be about Rachel and Sheila, but we don't know. Because they were, you know, the friends that she was with the most. And many people have wondered, you know, if there was so much going on in this friendship, like, why didn't the girls go their own ways? It's so easy to say, like, well, why didn't you just leave if things were being bad, right? Yeah. But high school friendships are so complicated. And you're in this small town. You're with these people every day. And, you know, Sheila, again, was the only one of them who had a car. And I think that... Even if things were not the best, you could kind of get past some stuff if it meant that you got to go around to places and do things that you couldn't do without your friend who had a car. And I mean, people always say things, you know, victim blamey things. But yes. first of all, there was absolutely no way that Skylar could have predicted where this was going to lead. Right. And also, it's your high school friends. It's your high school best yeah. friends. Like, I... Yeah. I think most people stay in those kind of friendships a lot longer than they necessarily should and forgive things that maybe they shouldn't. It's different when you're out and you're an adult and somebody makes you mad and you're just like, I don't have space for this drama. It's just not like that in high school. No, your brain is still developing like it, you know, so we do not blame Skylar for not severing ties with these girls. And, you know, during late August and early September, Skylar did reach out on Twitter to Rachel and their relationship seemed very love hate on social media, like a lot of tweeting and like hearts at each other. And then a lot of like, you know, tagging that person on Twitter and saying some not nice things. And Skylar would sometimes on Twitter wax nostalgic, you know, about the way that things used to be. And, you know, that just makes me sad, like to think of a a high school sophomore being like, oh, like the good times of my life that I'm, that I'm past, you know, that just makes me sad. Oh, that is so sad. And Skylar's friend, Daniel, uh, he actually witnessed a fight between Skylar and Sheila. And Skylar had kind of reprimanded Sheila because she had quote unquote touched a boy in class. And Sheila got really awkward and she seemed really annoyed at being called out like, it seemed like Skylar was saying, this dude did not want you to touch him, and you did, Ooh. and that's not right. So that was just pretty awkward, and, you know, nobody likes being called out, but also, like, consent is important, yeah. even just a, a touch in class. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it seemed that during the big fights between Skylar and Sheila, Rachel was never really involved in the big fights. Like, nobody ever witnessed the three of them go at it, but it was mostly just 
Skylar and Sheila that had those big blow-up fights. Sheila would sometimes get them on a three-way call, like very Mean Girls movie style, where only um, one of the girls that she was on the phone with would know that it was a three-way call and try and get the other one to, like, say stuff about, you know, talk smack about her friend on the call. Like, very, very much Mean Girls and just, you know, not not great. Don't do that. Don't do that. And there was a lot of physical fighting. Like, people comment about how, like, Sheila and Skylar would, they would slap each other and push each other and kind of punch each other. Like That's very unusual. Yeah, that I would say is not common for friends that are fighting in high school. Like, girls that I knew in high school did not really physically fight unless things were really like, no. And like there was like one cat fight in the cafeteria and the whole school like knows about it. It's the craziest thing that happened. Like that's very unusual, but nobody's like slapping their friend on the regular. No. Like, and Rachel and Sheila were often very physically affectionate with each other. Like there was lots of hugging and touching and handholding, which, you know, I, I do that with my friends. Like mm-hmm. that to me isn't anything, but it would be different if Skylar was around. If Skylar was around, Sheila and Rachel were less affectionate with each other and people noticed. So that does say something to me. Definitely. The group had a very interesting dynamic yes Sheila was well known as the leader and you can actually witness this power dynamic in their own videos that they uploaded on YouTube and there's a very famous one of the girls playing a dying game where they have to decide would you rather get shot or suffocate which seems really sinister given what ends up happening yeah it just Games like that, you know, would you rather, oh, yeah, it's fun. But, like, watching that, like, that video yeah. now. Oh, it gives Ooh. me the creeps. <laughs> if you'd like to support the podcast, get access to bonus content and extra mini true crime cases, plus get access to our exclusive Bath & Body Parts bath bombs, we'd love to have you join our Patreon as a soaker, super soaker, or bath bomber. Visit patreon.com slash bath and body parts to learn more. During this time, the Hunger Games movie was coming out, and Skylar went to see it with Sheila and their other friend, Shania. Sheila was on her phone, something she always did, and Skylar asked her who she was texting. And when Sheila wouldn't answer, she asked louder and louder, which I'm sure everyone else in the movie really loved. Oh, they, they love that. <laughs> At one point, Skylar even tried to snatch Sheila's phone out of her hand to see who she was texting. And then Skylar and Sheila started hitting each other in the seats. <sighs> And an older woman sitting next to Shania asks, can't you get them to stop? To which Shania says, what do you want me to do about it? And like, I kind of feel bad for Shania because I know I mean, what I do, do want to do about it. I do, oh, my gosh. But, like, it shows that there was no boundary. Sheila was texting on her phone and Skylar was so interested in what was happening. Like, she couldn't be in the moment at the movie theater. Like, she right. had to know what was going on. And then Shania's over here like, well, I, this is normal. Oh. <laughs> and the little tiff escalated so much that Sheila ran out of the theater. And, you know, Skylar says she was being a bitch. And then Shania and Skylar also leave the movie and none of them got to see Hunger Games. And like, you know, Sheila was their ride. Like, I don't know if they went back into the car with her or if they got a different ride, but that's just so awkward. Oh. 
Skylar's friend Morgan, who was that like childhood best friend who she'd kind of grown apart from as she had grown closer mm-hmm. to Sheila, would sometimes invite Skylar to hang out, but would tell her not to invite Sheila and Rachel. And Morgan would always tell Skylar that Sheila was a bad influence. Oftentimes, Sheila, Skylar, and Rachel would call Skylar's friend Daniel, who often had weed, and they would drive around with him and get high. And one time, Sheila ran over a bunny in the road, and Daniel thinks that she did it on purpose just to upset him, which is, like, really horrifying. Yeah, like, harming animals is, you know, a red flag of for a lot of things. Yeah. And, you know, Daniel, he said that, like, he knew that... The girls were kind of using him for weed, but he really didn't mind because he had been friends with Skylar for so long, Mm -hmm. but that he really did not like getting in the car when Sheila was driving because she would do stuff like that. And she wasn't very safe driving because she was always texting. During this tumultuous friendship time, Skylar actually reached out to a senior girl named Amaret, who was kind of going through some similar friendship triangle struggles. And she was a senior, so she kind of you know, was like a mentor Mm -hmm. and uh, she seemed like a really nice girl. And Rachel Schoaf actually vented to her friend, Wendy, saying, I hate Skylar, but I can't not be friends with her because then she would spill all of our secrets. And at one point, Rachel even said, at this point, I wouldn't even care if she died. No, no like that. Like to say that about someone that you've been friends with, like, I mean, don't say that about anybody, but like, oh, during the summer, Sheila took Skylar with her on a trip to the beach and rumors kind of floated around that Sheila had kind of come on to Skylar and that Skylar had denied her and the trip was not good. And both of the girls returned home in bad moods. And we don't know what happened on that trip, but that was the rumor. Rachel was at church camp at this time, and many of her church camp friends told her to stay away from Sheila. And, you know, for a few weeks after she got back, she really did stay close to her church friends. But the pullback to Sheila happened like it was going to. Mm -hmm. And when Rachel came back from her church camp and started hanging out with Sheila again, that's when they kind of started really planning Skylar's death. And Skylar tweets at this point, just know that I know. Very, very ominous, these Mm -hmm. tweets, and very vague. On June 10th, the girls were thinking about what method they would use to kill Skylar. They did not have any experience with guns, and so they decided on using knives. And when they thought about how to get rid of the body, they thought, well, we could just feed it to pigs at the local farm. Uh, (sighs) That is some... Psycho level serial yep. killer shit. Like, yep. Oh, what is his name? Is it Robert Picton, the Canadian serial killer that did that? Oh, I don't remember Ooh, his name, but like, crazy. that's just so. Ugh, it's awful. It's awful. And they even asked a kid from their science class how to dissolve a body in acid because they needed to dispose of Skylar. And that kid was like, um, what? And so he knows Skylar, obviously, because they're like in class together. And so he said, you know, dude, these girls are talking about like disposing of your body in acid. Oh, my God. So Skylar confronts them and she's like, what's up with you guys asking about how to dispose of my body? And they tell her, you know, don't listen to him because he just smokes too much weed. Okay. I've known a lot of people right. that have smoked a lot of weed. 
And none of them has made up a story like your two best friends that you're constantly fighting with that you have Mm -hmm. secrets on are asking about how to dissolve your body in acid. Right. And I don't think she believed it, but I don't know. I mean, she... she But she wouldn't want to believe it. I mean, I wouldn't believe that. I wouldn't listen to that. And that's so, like, dissolve a body in acid. Like, that's so Breaking Bad, you know? Like, that's just so dramatic. (laughs) Like, ugh. So on July 6th at 12.30 a.m., Skylar sneaks out to go joyriding with the girls. And she had her earbuds in, and they weren't really even talking in the car. And at one point, they actually saw a cop car, and the cop car did not see them. There had recently been a massive storm with 80-mile-per-hour winds, and so there were trees that were downed all over the place. And they went on a lot of side roads and winding roads to a place where they had gotten high before. They got out of the car, and Sheila produced a joint, but her lighter didn't work. And Skylar remembers that she has a lighter in her car, and she turned... And right as she turned, Rachel counted to three. And on three, Sheila and Rachel started stabbing Skylar. Oh, my gosh. She tried to run, and Rachel tackled her. And Skylar, you know, she's fighting for her life. And she actually grabs the knife from Rachel and cuts a three-inch wound into her leg. And Skylar is just saying, why, why, why? And the autopsy showed that she had been stabbed, like, 50 times. Oh, my gosh. So many. That's a lot of times. And they just stood over her and watched her die. And interestingly, Sheila and Rachel had their cell phones in their pockets during the murder. And both of them actually like butt dialed during the killing because they were moving so much. This was so aggressive. Right. But Sheila actually called her own voicemail box. And Rachel called an ex-boyfriend of hers who said that he never got the call. But just imagine if he had. And they dragged her body and they buried it under some rocks and branches, like just like a piece of trash. Because of the violence of the crime, stabbing someone 50 times, they were both covered in blood. So they stripped naked, they wiped themselves clean, they had sex, and they dressed in clean clothes that they had brought with them. And Rachel actually dropped her phone at the crime scene and realized it the next morning and Sheila drove out to get it. Like, it's just awful. The next morning, Dave knocked on Skylar's door and discovered that she wasn't there. And his first thought is, oh, you know, maybe she's out shopping. It's not unusual for a teenage girl to not be where you think they're going to be, right? Right. So he calls Mary and asks if Skylar had told her where she was going. Now, he's already starting to get that little feeling that something mm-hmm. is a little up. And he tells the supervisor at Walmart that he can't come in because he needs to find Skylar. And good for him for yes. having those instincts, you know, because yes. you never know. But some people do kind of just get that sick feeling in their stomach that something's wrong right away. Yeah. He goes outside of the apartment to smoke a cigarette. And that's when he sees that a bench had been placed under Skylar's bedroom window. And he knew that she had snuck out and put the bench there so she could come back in. Now, Dave and Mary would come to learn that Skylar snuck out a lot, which was something that they were not aware of. And Mary really blames herself a lot for not keeping a closer watch on Skylar. But, I mean, I do not have a teenager. No. But 
I imagine that it is the hardest thing to do to know how much freedom to give, to know how much right. of a boundary to put. It's right. such a fine line. And then in hindsight, to wish that you had done things differently, I feel like that's natural for people and especially parents to feel, but like the guilt along with this, I don't blame Mary and Dave not for not all. knowing that she snuck out. The house that I grew up in was not equipped for me to sneak out. Like I had a bedroom on the second floor and uh, it had like a weird angle thing. I could never have gotten out, but it's easier for some people. Yeah. A boy named Floyd that Skylar went joyriding with becomes a suspect in her disappearance really quickly. And he is super emotional and says that he just misses Skylar. And Dave and Mary see him as genuinely upset and they believe that he didn't have anything to do with it. At one point, while they're trying to find Skylar, Dave calls Sheila, which is a natural move to call kind of her best friend. Call her friends. Yep. And he asks her if she knew where Skylar was. And she says that she hadn't seen her and that the last time she had talked to her was around midnight. So Skylar had a job at Wendy's and the manager called Mary to tell her that Skylar hadn't shown up for work. And this is when Mary starts feeling very worried. Yeah. You know, this isn't just her daughter going shopping and forgetting to say where she was. Skylar was very responsible and she really loved her job at Wendy's and she would have never missed and just not shown up. Later that same day, Sheila calls Mary and says, I have to tell you the whole truth about last night. We went joyriding and she made me drop her off on the corner so my car wouldn't wake you up. Sheila even asks Mary, do you want me and my mom to come over? And she says, yes. And they come over to be with Mary and Sheila acts so emotional and she asks if she can sit in Skylar's room alone and Mary hears her crying. Like at this point, Mary has no idea what's actually happened to Skylar. Right. I would be so weirded out if this girl comes over and is like, can I be in her room? And then like, she's crying in there. Like that seems, that seems weird. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I would be weirded out. I would be like, this is my daughter's best friend and she's worried about her, you know? Maybe. I think I, I would just seem like, a normal teenage like girl a nice, response. Like a nice friend thing to yeah. do. Sheila oh. also called and texted several peers about Skylar being missing, but she didn't reach out to one of Skylar's friends, Chrissy Swanson, who had to learn about it through other people. Like through a text. Like Ooh. someone was like, oh my gosh, Chrissy, I'm so sorry to hear that Skylar's missing. And she's like, what? Oh my That's gosh. awful. Now, Mary and Dave held on strong to the hope that Skylar would return by the weekend. And... Rachel's mom notices the three-inch cut on her leg, and Rachel says that she got it on their boat. Yeah. Everybody has a story for everything Mm -hmm. here. And while Sheila is putting on this show of being really emotional, like, at Mary's house and, you know, sitting in Skylar's room, her tweets around this time were more like, I'm tired of losing sleep over this. So she's kind of um, two-faced a bit here. She's putting something out that she's she's acting all emotional and distraught, but then and like, tweeting like way more annoyed. You know, Twitter is public. Like what on right. earth? Right. Sheila's friends noticed that she also didn't tweet at Skylar, which was very unusual. And Jessica Coleman is the police officer in charge of Skylar's missing persons case. And at this point, she had never had a missing person not returned home on her watch. She was a very good police officer. And at the time, the FBI was also working on the case of a missing three-year-old, Aaliyah Lunsford, close by. And so the FBI is thinking that there's a possibility of a serial kidnapper. 
And I'm sad to report that they never did find Aaliyah. It took about a week for volunteers to start searching. And Sheila was one of the most persistent searchers. She would always ask, did the police find anything? I think it's very interesting that it took a week for volunteers to start searching. That feels like a very long time. I think because the FBI was also working on this other missing persons case, like they had both. I I don't know, but it does seem like a very long time to get volunteers. And interestingly, Rachel did not offer to help in the searches at all. So while Sheila is like very persistent, showing up at all these searches and asking what the police have found, Rachel's like not involved in it at all. And that's like super suspicious, like way to act completely suspicious. Like if my best friend was missing, of course I would have been out there searching every day oh my gosh so detective coleman asks sheila about skylar's social media posts and about those tweets and sheila said that all those angry tweets were about some boy and coleman suspects sheila right away and she notices her car and a similar car had been seen on surveillance footage outside of skylar's apartment but it wasn't very clear it was very grainy yeah you really can't see anything about the car other than that like it's a car and not like an suv and the news starts covering skylar's case and you know just like there always is there are several quote-unquote sightings of her in other states and even like to the point of where dave is like okay Our car's not going to get us very far, but, like, we can go and, like, drive to see if these girls are actually, like, it's very sad. And, again, no Amber Alert was issued because the system did not view Skylar as in danger. And like I've said before in previous episodes, like, the more that I learn about the Amber Alert system, the more that I'm learning there are so many children who get missed because of lack of details, because of, you know, being not considered in danger. And that's just sad. It really is sad. And honestly, it needs to change because just because a teenager leaves willingly does not mean that they're not in danger. You can put yourself in so many dangerous situations as a teenager. There's a little bit of hope with that in this case, but it's not enough. You know, it's not enough. And, you know, people really wanted to make Skylar out as this party girl, You know, that she was just someone who liked to go joyriding and drink and smoke weed. But people that really knew her said, yes, you know, she drank some and she smoked weed like a lot of teenagers do. But at parties, she would often just like sit alone with her earbuds. And they thought, you know, she kind of wanted to be seen as cool. But they all knew that she had career aspirations and she was very level-headed and she liked school. She liked her job. So she's not just this crazy party girl who's going out and like would skip town. Right. And interestingly, many of Skylar's missing persons posters started being taken down that the volunteers were putting up. And that's just shitty. Just don't do that. No, that's not good. Coleman and the FBI go to speak to Rachel. And Rachel's mom, Patricia, says... Asks her, whatever you want, we're here to help. Patricia is stunned when she learns that her daughter, along with Sheila, were the last two to see Skylar. Yeah. Ugh, I, I do kind of feel for Rachel's parents in particular because yeah. I just think they didn't see this coming at all. No, no. Now, Rachel had an on-again, off-again boyfriend named Mackenzie Boggs, who is described as... <laughs> As a Napoleon Dynamite lookalike. Yep. 
but was also the lead singer of a band, which gave him a lot of appeal. I mean, so you know. do with that information what you will. So guys. Picture Napoleon Dynamite in like a more modern rock star outfit. version. <laughs> rock star Napoleon Dynamite. There, there could be something there. Yeah. Right? Okay. okay. Maybe. <laughs> Okay, Soakers, that's where we're going to leave it for this week. Skylar's disappearance involved so much history with her friends, and there's just a ton of information on this case. So to do it justice, we had to break it up into two parts. Tune in next week as we continue to learn about Skylar Niece and her so-called best friends, Rachel and Sheila. In the meantime, self-care for the best, prepare for the worst, but most importantly, take care of yourself. We'll catch you next time on Bath and Body Parts. If you'd like to support the podcast and get access to bonus content and extra mini true crime cases, plus get access to our exclusive Bath and Body Parts bath bombs, we'd love to have you join our Patreon as a soaker, super soaker, or bath bomber. Visit patreon.com slash bath and body parts to learn more.